0: Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Human Up podcast. This is episode nine, and I've simply entitled it no Mo FOMO for easy remembering. Not unlike a few episodes back, stop, drop, and roll, I like to find little... Mantras, if you will, modern day mantras, reminders to help us uh, stay in the zone, get in the zone when we fall out of the zone. And what is the zone, the zone? And there's a lot of ways to to refer to the zone. The way I mean it is basically a sustained and chosen version of the zone that most people are used to experiencing, which is more ha- you happen upon the zone by accident. Okay, this is not a by accident zone moment where you don't know why it happened. You just suddenly feel that feeling of bliss and clarity. That's the zone. Um, But I'm talking about a higher level of the zone, which is not happenstance or accidental, but chosen. And that's what human up is all about. Human up is is, uh, the human upgrade to a state of consciousness. And, And I... I regret using the word state because, again, it's not static. But it is the ever-woke practice, an ever-deepening practice of being woke, staying woke, presence. Uh, in the Bhagavad Gita, the sacred Hindu text, Krishna refers to it as inextinguishable bliss. So a bliss that cannot be... Uh, in, interrupted or uh, broken. So in other words, it's a badass bliss is another one of my little code phrases. It's not just fruity tooty airy fairy bliss. Oh, I'm so blessed out. No, <laughs> it is badass bliss. Badass bliss means you <laughs> have worked your ass off for it in a sense. You, you, you know, you don't just come to that state. So it's easy to you know, create a sense of bliss and 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 that's what everybody really wants they want to create a s- sense of bliss but then they do it with with uh, some kind of usually with some kind of external means whether it's food or it's a drug or it's uh, setting up the circumstances just right to have a certain you know moment of bliss. we spend our entire lives sometimes trying to repeat moments that were zone moments at the time you know you you were with that. That uh, lover of yours, uh, and you were driving, and the sun was setting, and the music was playing, and it was so good, and you just felt so happy, and you want to just have that moment again and again and again, and so you try to put the pieces together to get your zone moment on again, you know, your your moment of bliss, and wouldn't you know it, it just doesn't seem to, it doesn't seem to be the same as the first time, because what was different about the first zone moment versus the one you're trying to repeat? It wasn't, you weren't trying to do it. Uh, It's just that magical, oh my gosh, here we are. It's happening. You know, I'm just giving you a a pretty simple example of a zone bliss moment. But I'm talking about a higher bliss. You know, um, one more example before I get into that deeper is, you know, when we talk about what everybody wants is bliss, essentially. How we go about it is usually... Misinformed, and so a great example I think of, you know, the way kids and certainly I did, um, we seek it in a simple, quick fix, like you know taking ecstasy or something like that, you know, you do. And I hope you don't do that. um, But I'm just giving you an example that that's a very, uh, you know, you you do that. Why do they call it ecstasy? Because it's, it gives you a feeling of bliss, a feeling of uh, everything's okay. And I feel so good and on and on and on, but it's not the real deal. And it comes with a huge price tag. So don't, don't bother. It's not worth it. But um, I'm just giving that example because you know so many of us are seeking that, and we want some way to make it happen with something. As I'm going to take a pill, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that, I'm going to find this person, or this situation, or whatever, whatever it is. And the more you try to get it in a way, it's almost like the more it pushes it away. But deep down, what we're all really looking for is a sense of wholeness, a sense of peace, um, a sense of of being right where we need to be, uh, a sense of complete completeness in that sense, a sense of wholeness, completeness, well-being, all of these phrases, happiness, right? And in our culture, as I uh, explained a couple episodes back, we we just and when I say our culture, I mean the whole planet and all of its variations have different variations of of trying to remedy that feeling of incompleteness, which I have shown again and again and will continue to show again and again is the the result of our deep thinking, not just our obvious thinking of what we know, the content of what we're thinking, but the thinking itself, even deeper than negative versus positive. There's a lot of talk about think. Positive, not negative. But those are both in the same boat. I'm wanting to help you start to see deeper than that and to see how we are almost governed by a a kind of code, if you will, of thinking that we all absorbed without realizing we were absorbing it. Whatever language you speak, whatever you know, ideological background you've been exposed to or have, have learned over the course of your life, there's something behind it that's universal across the globe and all people's. Um, and, and that that's a really important and empowering thing to realize. So that's what – it's that code. It's that way of thinking that we I want to – I seek to, to help you begin to see. Because as you begin to see it, then you start getting into a deeper level of seeing, thinking, being, presence, zone. So in other words, the zone is a practice of staying in that – Think of it like a, if, we're, if we're all using a lens all the time to perceive our reality, when we get a break from the restrictive conditioning, inhibitioning, I know I'm making work in the words a little bit here, so just uh, uh, I hope you can enjoy my neologisms, but if we're used to that restrictive space, what happens when we take a pill or, or a, you know, have some moment, zone moment. One way to describe it is that that constrictive, restrictive feeling, you know, is why people drink. Great example. When it drops those inhibitions, that's like the rigidity of the lens that we're used to and then therefore the way that we feel. And we may get used to it, but we may not realize we feel so, you know, constricted. And so when we are drawn to these things, it's because we want to just throw off the, the the constriction and the feeling of uh repression and holding back intenseness and, and all that we all love to just have a have a break from that you know and it, uh, and so in a way that's what we're all seeking you know, we wait till Friday night sometimes to go and what get wasted get party you know with friends or whatever or go and try to seek some kind of fulfillment at the bar and, or the club or whatever it is that you do to just kind of look for fun, right? And you don't want to miss out. We're starting to get to the to the guiding um, uh, title and theme of this podcast, which is all about FOMO, right? You don't want to miss out. You want to get into the action, right? And you want to, because that gives you a feeling of belonging, which is a kind of feeling of bliss. and And there's a feeling like if you don't keep up with it, you're going to you're not going to get that. So what's happening at the deepest level, as I've pointed out again and again, is what we really want is not what we've decided that we want, what we want, uh, what we're after. Um, and and this is where it can be – I could shake you to the core if you really hear me. You're going to have to put into question everything that you actually think you wanted this whole time because what I'm suggesting is two things. For First thing, what you think you want is not what you're really after. And even if you get what you want, it won't scratch that itch for very long. It won't um, quench the thirst for very long or even at all in the sense of once you've attained all that you thought you wanted to attain. You're going to realize you need more. Why? Because you didn't actually get to the real cause to begin with, right? So we live our entire lives under the, the slave driving kind of impetus behind us that's that's saying, if you don't if you don't hurry up, you're going to miss out, you're going to miss out. So there's a, there's a, a deep FOMO drive. Uh, okay, so if you don't know what FOMO, that acronym is fear of missing out, okay? And no mo FOMO this is my catchy little phrase for enough of that, you know, because it's torture. It's it's in, in no uncertain terms. It's a form of hell in this sense. It's robbing you from your bliss all the time. So entire lives can be driven by a sense of FOMO. And... It's a lot of the whole drive behind going faster, 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 more, 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 more. And we're seeing it, you know, turn on the TV and watch the commercials and the whole thing. This is gonna be another one of my, um, one of my episodes is on narcissism and the just the universal narcissism that you see everywhere. It's condoned, especially in marketing and, um, you know, turn on the television, man. In between every uh, abundant, Numbers of prescription commercials, prescription medication, which are going to make you feel so much better because it takes care of the symptom. But you might get some seriously awful side effects in between those commercials and they are abundant are all these commercials that are about catering to the FOMO in all of us and the need and also the narcissistic need to make to make reality revolve around you. So it's a really interesting thing. I'm going to get into that a lot more in the next um, sharing. But right now, focusing on the FOMO and and how deadly FOMO is. Think of it as a program. Okay, it's like a in a way it's constantly being in fight or flight, um, in the sense that and all of yoga shows that the the root of suffering really is attachment, Um, and it's worded in different ways. If we take Krishna's wording, it's the attachment to the fruits of your actions, the outcome of your actions, right? And, and, and as soon as you're attached to one outcome, you're simultaneously attached to your fear of not having that outcome. And there is a gripping, um, constricting, and insidious effect to that, even to the level of your health. I mean, we know that stress is Absolutely detrimental to the body, especially over time, relentless stress. Well, that's what I'm suggesting is normal stress, which it's still optional. We don't have to do it. Um, But because there is such a universal, and this is what I call the Titanic. Imagine that everybody is on the Titanic, okay, everybody. And there's all different floors and there's all different sections and different class levels and, you know, there's the spiritual section over here and the religious section and the atheist section and and whatever section you're in and whatever is your, you know, whatever way you're trying to work the Titanic scene in your favor, the whole thing is going down, okay? This is huge. Uh, FOMO is is really the overall feeling of the spirit of the Titanic which is you know you don't want to be on that lowest floor you want to get up to the to the you know ballroom and be you know rocking it and rubbing shoulders with the elite and all of that and and of course you know some people have the have the capacity ambition to get all the way there and they're the success stories and then there's the ones that just can't seem to to hack it and are you know shoveling coal in the basement or whatever the basement. Does a boat have a basement? (laughs) But you get what I'm saying. Um, Yeah. So it's a great analogy for the entirety of the human culture. Okay. You've got all different races, all different countries, religions, ideologies, um, you know, mindsets, but they're all sharing a common code. This is huge. And this is not being said because what we're doing is we're so used to seeing with that lens, that constrictive lens. We can't zoom out to That more expanded lens where we can begin to really see the entirety of what's going on and really connect the dots. The expanded lens, bird's eye view, you know, I don't like a lot of those sayings. But for all intents and purposes, you're zooming out in your awareness enough to now connect the dots. Oh, my gosh. I was seeing this whole problem of racism as its own thing, its own Make up its own problem boom in that in that compartment then over here. I am seeing sexism for example Is its own thing its own problem. It's boom. Oh my gosh And you start to look in the and then the environment and what's going on the destruction of the environment and global warming and climate change Oh my gosh, that's its own thing boom and then I look over here and the nuclear weapons Threat that we're facing. Oh my gosh, and then I look over here and it's economy blah 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 blah, blah on and on and on and we can in that lens that we're all using, we can see the symptoms. We're really good at seeing the symptoms, but we don't know how to zoom out yet. And this is what I want you to learn with me as you join me on this on these, uh, this ever unfolding journey of getting into sustainable zone consciousness is contingent upon uh, deepening your rational capacities. Um, <clears throat> we're all using reason all the time. But the reason itself may be uprooted from the source of reason. So we're using, in a way, kind of little myopic mind-bite versions of reason. And that's not what real reason is, is reason itself. It's like you, everybody can make sense. Two plus two equals four. That makes sense. Or I am hungry. That makes sense. Or I don't like him very much. Makes sense, right? So we can make sense in, a, in little fragments. But we're desensitized in the sense that we don't... <laughs> We don't know how to be and to operate and see and think and understand from that uh, vantage point of sense itself. And that's what I'm saying is the zone. So the zone is almost a capacity to stay surfing with sense in all the myriad, you know, vast array of differences and different situations and, and, and unique peoples and relations and, and issues and all this stuff, if we're in a myopic space, which is what's generating all those problems, mind you, we can't see that they're all being generated from the same way of thinking and seeing and operating. So that's really what this is, is a zoom out. So when I say no i fomo I'm, what I'm doing is you can be think of these fingers back behind my, my ears here. I can't see them. And this represents that lens and all of the, that restrictive lens that we're actually, we really want to break from it because it's generating all of our stress. It's a program that's hiding in the background. It generates all that we see. It, it, it every Everything, when we're experiencing reality, we don't realize that there's an interpretation process going on. We're just encountering experiences in reality and we don't realize it's going through a through an interpreter. And so if that interpreting lens is distorting reality, but you don't know that it's distorting, you're just taking everything that you see at face value then you are essentially a slave to your own misinterpretations and misinterpreting itself. And what I'm saying is that we cannot cannot get to solutions to problems, for example, if we don't even realize that we've got a lens here that's generating all these problems. It's the lens uh, essentially of ideology, of any kind of ideology. And when you are identified with that, and you don't know how to step back from that, then someone's different lens or different variation on that is going to be a threat to yours. And that becomes the the um, beginning of the collisions and catastrophes really of humanity through time. I mean, that have escalated to entire ethnic cleansings and genocides and uh, holocausts and all the really awful stuff, the really obviously awful stuff, war, war. Destruction of the environment, rape, abuse, murder, blah, 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 blah. But it's all the way down to the little things, too. That little moment where you don't listen, you can't listen to your sweet child who's trying, doesn't know how to express herself yet and what she's feeling. And you just go, stop it, you're being a bad kid and just shut down this child's feelings for their inability to express what's going on because they're in this scary world where if they mess up even just a little, a little bit, there's, the, love is taken away. Bye-bye, love. Mommy doesn't love you anymore. Bye-bye, daddy doesn't love you anymore. We don't realize how many moments like that, which are just, eh, whatever, you know, kids. And when kids cry or feel hurt, they're like, no, oh, well, they're kids, you know, their emotions don't, they're small kid emotions. If you can dare to zoom out of your lens and, and feel what that child is feeling, it would, you would cry for a week to know what we just desensitized to. So in other words, we teach our kids how to, this is how we transmit to, from generation to generation through our malpractice and our in, insensitivity, our learned insensitivity, we Instead of resensitizing to our kids, we desensitize our kids, and so it's this whole thing and in that desensitization, that is really it's a form of abuse it's normalized abuse it's not nobody would call it that. We think, oh child abuse is when somebody beats their child or is you know mentally emotionally abusive to them in some obvious way, but there's a normalized abuse of these sweet, precious beings who are really coming from a more natural place than we are because we've been so accustomed to our desensitized state, we don't even realize what we've lost touch with. But the kids, well, they are the embodiment of that not desensitized intelligence nature. They're really nature. And then you can connect the dot there. The way we're treating our our, our infants, babies, kids is connected to, say, how the patriarchy, the unhealthy masculine has treated women and how we destroy nature. And you can start to connect the dots and go, oh my gosh, so there's something universal going on here. And so if you can think of it in, in just of the visual, again, like we, we come into the world sort of just open and we don't have that that hard sense of separation between me you mom dad brother sister you know we learn that with every day every moment it just kind of gets drilled in so imagine as you're growing five years old six years old seven years old eight years old nine ten boom and then this you learn you get sharp You get savvy in the way that you gotta be, in the way you gotta think, in the way you gotta operate, and think about how many times you feel embarrassed by who you are, and how you are naturally, and how many times you get a frown, or um, you know, I call it the still face because of a a brilliant video that I highly recommend you watch. It's called The Still Face Experiment, I believe, and if you type that in, I'm sure you'll find it, but it shows the effect of a mother, they're running these tests on purpose, of course, the effects of a mom with her child when she's fully engaged and responding and there's a dialogue going on energetically, even if not verbally, um, there's, there's a sense – and you see how blissed out the baby is in that, in that interaction because that is – nature needs that reciprocal love flow of, of validation, relationship. That's the fabric of nature. That's what humans have bastardized themselves from without even knowing why or how. We just find ourselves in all of the awful effects of it, the symptoms, right? But we don't know how to see the cause. Well, this video shows a mom just like that. And then she turns, comes back, deadpan face, no response, completely non-responsive. And you watch this child, it always is chilling for me to watch. You watch this child in about 30 seconds to a minute just... (laughs) Meltdown entirely, trying to get her attention, trying to get some response, trying to feel some, you know, validation, reciprocation, and you know, of this deep need. It's it's built in. The baby isn't thinking about that in the sense that we think. The baby's just uh, needs, it, right? And you see how quickly this baby melts down. It's it's heartbreaking to watch. It's <laughs> it's painful. Um, especially if you can realize that that's exactly what happens to all of us even if our moms or dads didn't do that exact thing the culture is a still-faced culture and it's it, it still faces nature it still faces authenticity it still faces um whatever behaviors don't fit into the rigid you know one of the one of the most um you know, sly programs of all is the program of cool, right? That word cool, um, I believe it's still cool. I'm starting to get up there in age now. Forgive me, kids. Um, But I still think, you know, my son's 12. I still think cool is cool. (laughs) But here's the point. Whether it's cool or it's another word now, cool is the unspoken sort of um, way that you're supposed to be—it's—it's it's like a scale, right? As soon as we have this standard of cool, it's like, of course, you want to be cool and you don't want to be uncool, right? And I've noticed over the generations, one of the one of the symptoms of this, as I noticed when I listen to '70s music, '60s, '70s, '80s, it was like a range that I really, really loved. Um, I still do. But when I was really in high school and, like, really into that music, man, I loved some of these songs. And I noticed, man, nobody would write songs like this now. Um, One that comes to my mind, and I was, like, 15 years old rocking out to this song. And I I know I was a bit of a freak, but Paul McCartney's um, Silly Love Songs. (laughs) I'd be driving in my Toyota MR2 cranking this thing. And I was like, you'd think that people would have heard enough of silly love songs. And... You know, I somehow knew that according to the the standards of cool, um, that it was as cheesy as cheesy gets. But, And I'm grateful for the fact that I could say at least enough that I didn't care uh, if people thought it was cheesy. I loved it. And there's a lot of songs like that that I really loved. George Harrison to pick another post-Beatle moment. Um, All I got to do is to, to love you. All I got to be is be happy. I could keep singing. <laughs> this isn't a, a song concert right now. Uh, it's a different kind of concert. My point being is there's um, there was like a sweetness and an innocence and like, uh, you know, something joyful about it, something pure about it, something non-self-conscious about it in the way that already in the 90s, which is when I was a teen, um, into the 2000s, I noticed Again, it was unspoken, but it's just—it just, it just kind of you get the you get the code of your culture through osmosis. It's not—it doesn't have to be literal moments where it's like explicitly told to you that this is cool and this is uncool. You just kind of start to know. Oh, you know, I remember when I started to get self-conscious about my laugh, and I thought my laugh made me sound, uh, you know, uncool, uh, giddy, and then that's not cool. That's not manly. That's whatever man programs i had running from my culture and i and i started to suppress that laugh which was what my joy that was my joy but i knew it wasn't cool in the eyes the the eyes the restrictive still face eyes of the culture around me and i started to realize oh and what's the thinking if i don't shut this down I'm going to not be cool or seen as cool or manly or attractive or whatever, and then I won't get that girl And because that girl likes this kind of guy and I need to be that kind of guy. So in order to FOMO, FOMO, FOMO. And the FOMO, what I'm trying to show is that the FOMO is not a small thing because if you if you really add up all of those moments, conscious or unconscious, where we learn how to restrict, you may be having the sense of belonging and fitting in, which is in a way like a weird, distorted kind of pleasure because you, you're you like, okay, I fit in. I'm cool. I'm, I'm, I'm like everyone else or others want to be like me or whatever is going on in your head. And you don't realize what just happened is really sad, which is that you're s- so not actually confident in yourself and who you are. You bought into the Titanic FOMO code and you coerced your being into something palatable, status quo. You know, so even if you're at the top, you know, you're you're rolling with the elite in the ballroom, yeah, you've you've coerced a sense of of superiority. Um uniqueness to the extent that not everybody you're in you're in the one percent let's say you know if we're to make that the goal on the titanic is to be the one percent that's where you're a celebrity that's where everybody loves you that's where you're successful that's where you have a lot of money that's where you can do whatever you want right who wouldn't want that but meanwhile what you're doing is you have almost consecrated and 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 fixed yourself even deeper in what way in the background is actually killing you you don't even realize it and a lot of the wisdom teachings, you know, brought that out. If I was to quote a, a Bible quote, and I'm not a religious guy, but I really feel that there, there was a lot of wisdom that came through all of the sacred texts, whether it was the Bible, or the Quran, or, or um, you know, the Bhagavad Gita, just to name a few of them. You know, they they, they were wisdom transmiss- transmissions that then got dogmatized in their you know religious deliveries in many cases. So you, I like to read them. From that expanded view and kind of decode them. What did Jesus mean, for example, when he said, it's harder for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle? I think was something like that. So if you can strip away the, the the old world biblical sounding language and just and let's just use the word bliss is heaven. Bliss sustained bliss is sustained zone badassery uh, that I'm I'm really wanting us to all come to, right? That's the human up path. But the rich person, what's the rich person? Well, it doesn't mean that money is evil. And that's the, That's where people take this the wrong way. It's like, oh, if you're rich, then you're bad, you're evil. No, 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 no. It's not that. It's that, let's take the word rich as the meaning of succeeding on the Titanic. And if you succeed on your death boat, if you exceed on the death boat and you're too myopic, which means too narrow visioned, too narrow lensed To be able to see that you're going, you're this whole thing is going down because you've surrounded yourself and a bunch of people sharing the same um, status quo standard of success, that you can be like, Wow, yeah, I made it, I made it, I made it, right? Or if you aren't making it, I'm not making it, I'm not making it, I'm depressed, you know, nobody loves me. You know, everybody's on that same scale, everyone's playing that same game, no matter where you are in the status quo scale, right? But what I'm saying is to zoom out and see that if that's just status quo in terms of what what the human being and what life and what being itself is meant to be and how we're constantly cutting ourselves off from it, how it happened very slowly from childhood when we were just open, beautiful, naturally loving beings and how we got distorted over time. So it was gradual until we all get um, uh, initiated. For lack of a better word, that makes it sound too positive. But we, you know, it's like we're getting initiated into a cult, is what it's like. But in this cult, it's not one specific leader or religion. It's all of the cultures. Look at the word culture, culture, and and so what I'm saying is huge. That every single very variant of culture, generated at a deeper lens, uh, at a deeper level with this lens, is code. That fragments and divides and 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 sh- and constricts and shuts us down and gets us desensitized. That happens globally, guys. Like it happens everywhere in different ways in different cultures. So everybody's got to get cool, which means adjust to who's making these rules. Well, that's where we're all kind of co-creating the Titanic ambiance that we're in right now. If you zoom out you see that that's a whole FOMO driven that's the fuel of the Titanic if you will you know what what, what do people say i don't want to miss the boat FOMO right i don't want to miss out on what it's nothing more than an idea that if you make it if you don't miss the action and think about how much marketing leverages FOMO oh man if you start to if you start to look at that and The biggest one for me that really gets my blood boiling is when wisdom coaches and teachers and people that are in the spiritual arts and healing arts are using FOMO tactics to coerce their followers in. And you guys know who you are. That is a gross contradiction to what the whole heart and spirit of what uh, wisdom is calling us off of the Titanic out of the, if even normalized, insidious, stressful, joy-killing effects of FOMO. And that's what I'm speaking to. That heaven, the, the meek shall inherit the earth. So, again, we always think of it as a measure of money. The rich can't make it into heaven. What's heaven? It's bliss. Bliss is, so, so they've gotten so successful in the anti-bliss space that they've, Gotten a sense that they are they're successful, and like I said, it's a kind of pleasure. It's a kind of, but it's more like a drug. It's more like something you need. You know, I often think about people who make make it big and they're famous and they're the biggest deal and they're on every magazine cover, musician, actor, whatever. And then, whatever, a few years goes by, and then whatever happened to so and so? Oh well, that's old news. The new person in town is da 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 da. And (laughs) if you haven't heard of her, she's a great actor. Um, And, you know, I think about what that that person who was experiencing that 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 temporarily coerced sense of pleasure of being important. It wasn't real importance because real importance is not contingent upon the adulation, adoration, admiration of those still faces around you. You know, so if you're in a still face culture and then you somehow reach the standards that FOMO demands and you suddenly get still faces to smile at you and throw adoration at you, that's not the real deal, man. That's That's a kind of sick version of love. And yet it feels so good, right? Because now you're important. Now you have power and influence and you can tweet something and everybody has a, it sends ripples and, ooh, wow, this is powerful, right? I've made it. And then, oh man, how many sweet little hearts that have already gotten distorted enough to to feel to feel like they don't love themselves right because that if you don't love yourself you don't you, because and that's the violence that's the abuse that happens young guys the the abuse that i'm speaking to that slow insidious between the lines abuse that happens over time and it's normal and it happens from our parents and it happens from our siblings and it happens from our schoolmates and our classes and our teachers and the and the tv it's all fomo driven so what do you get you get this sense by the maybe not even past your single digits and you're already feeling like you're worthless. Unless you can, you know, coerce yourself and muster up enough ambition to play the game and Work your way to the top no matter what it takes even if you have to sell your soul and when I say sell your soul, I'm saying it's being sold in the sense of you're being cut off from that authenticity and that true you that 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 never wanted to play this game. But we lose touch with it and slowly we get more and more removed from that until we don't even know that anything's missing. But we're still driven by this FOMO because, you know, you see someone else is making it. And then look at music is a great example. And and for me, this is this was a huge one because I'm a musician. And of course, I well, I was a mixed bag here and I think everybody is. But my music and songs more so than a lot of the people around me writing music were very much about calling out this condition which i learned the hard way even though i thought i was i was of course everybody wants to hear how i have a song called the soul and it's all about how everybody's doing what everybody's doing and everyone's doing what they know and everyone's what they know is what they've been what's been exemplified to them and everybody's on the FOMO boat everyone's on the titanic and to to dare suggest something like that to call out that good people bad people alike all on the same boat Well, that's not a very popular thing to call out. And I started to notice this by the still face response that I was getting again and again, whether it was releasing a song, an album at a concert, whatever it might have been, a kind of feeling of, you know, I share this song and I share this. What was I feel the wisdom, the source self, if you will, the soul coming through in the music. But even while I was doing that, I was wanting to make it on the Titanic. I was wanting to to get get. Fans and popularity, and I wanted to be like John Mayer, and I wanted to, you know, I I was setting, I was setting these standards for myself, that it was, you know, (laughs) to say square peg round hole would be a misnomer because my music wasn't a peg trying to go into a hole it was something entirely different so this i'm just sharing this example because when we see in the culture what happens is somebody brings through some newfangled variant uh, and you'll notice it with each passing year and you know that everything has to up the ante right because what happens is we get desensitized oh you need to up the ante the sex factor the 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 violence factor the the grittiness of the sounds, the loudness war that they called it. And, you know, there was a noticeable smashing of the waveforms from bottom to top over over the decades. And, and louder, 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 louder. Why? Because you need to catch the attention. Why? Because if you don't catch the attention, you're missing the boat. So you got to – in other words, FOMO is a slave driver, guys, in every way, shape, and form. And things like that are that should be sacred like music, suddenly it, it gets – Not unlike the way nature, we just kind of – we'll just mow down entire forests, wipe out entire species, and even mutilate animals and stuff in that process, unilaterally taking from nature to our own ends. That's a metaphor for taking – like with what's happening with all of our creativity. It's it's all about – extract it, take it, package it for the Titanic, get it on the shelves and 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 make make the money and, and claw your way to the top because you, and you got to, everybody's got a one up, one up, one up, one up, one up, one up. So it's a one-upping FOMO-driven one-upping desensitizing uh narcissistic festival <laughs> that we're all normalizing to and so if you get desensitized to that you know, that's the that's really the crisis because then you don't know that anything's wrong anymore. So if you can zoom out and see that with me, it is a little, it's hor- horrific, it's horrifying. It's like, wow, well, if we just keep doing this, what's to stop us from just normalizing all awful things? <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, you know, that's life. I don't believe that, that that's just the way that it will go I do think that all humans, as long as you have a beating heart, there is a, a sense of goodness and a wanting – not not wanting pain and suffering. But if we get desensitized to pain and suffering, we start to glorify it and even sexualize it like in um, – you know, any number of movies, I'm not going to go specifics here, but, you know, and the whole pornography industry and the way it's just driven to have to up the ante, up the ante, up the ante, and there's something sacred being lost. And it's, you know, when I bring that to, to my clients or uh, yoga students or whatever, in terms of the, the, the sacred, you know, that's why we slow down in a way we stop the FOMO train, right? Because the FOMO train it says go faster, go faster, and what do we do? We coerce our yoga practices, for example, to speed up to our FOMO lives. When yoga was supposed to originally free us from that suffering, from being under the, the cracking whip of the slave driver, while thinking that it's us doing it. We think that we're choosing, but we're not actually choosing from an authentic place. We're just getting, we're just getting whipped into a game. That's so big and so universal that we don't even know it's a game. That we don't even know we have a choice. We can opt out of, that, out of that game. So when I tell people to slow down, get in touch with the sacred, I'm often met with a, uh, uh, yeah, I'm not really into that. I, 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 like, I like to go fast. Like, uh, you know? <laughs> and, and, of course, I see what they're saying. They're admitting and confessing that they need to slow down more than anybody. But when you're addicted to the FOMO lifestyle, you don't want to stop, drop, and roll. Like my last uh, one of my last podcasts, you don't want to relax because relax on the on the deepest level means you are free from the Titanic. You are off of the Titanic, but you don't want to get off the Titanic if everybody else is on it because the FOMO train, the FOMO drive is so strong. And so even though it's a cutesy name, FOMO, fear of missing out, it's no, no small thing. FOMO is in my view, at least the way that I'm saying, it, it's the ultimate slave driver. And we are the slaves if we don't see it. And we can think that we're choosing what we want, but we didn't even get to choose how we feel. We're choosing what we want. Like, for example, I really want to make it in the music industry or whatever since we've been using that theme. I really, That's what I was doing. And as, I was, as years were passing and I wasn't getting the response that I felt I deserved, I started to get this feeling of I'm missing the boat. And that's when... The whole Titanic theme came in because, yes, I am missing the boat. <laughs> in fact, but which boat? The Titanic. Good. I want to miss that boat. <laughs> and you do too. But when everybody is in that unit, so the Titanic is a name for that universal driving force. And people have, uh, have misdiagnosed the problem as money as the root of all evil. Well, that's another symptom, the misuse and abuse of the sacred flow of resources and value in the form of money. Money is not evil. It's our misuse and abuse of that just like we misuse and abuse everything. Nature, ourselves, our kids, all of it is being normally abused and misused and then we desensitize it and, and we see all these problems and we go, what's wrong with the world today? And, you know, it's just a big mess. And and we don't and all because we can't see what's generating it. Oh, right. And get to that that deep underlying universal cause for all variants of suffering, normalized and obvious. We don't realize then that we or, uh, you know, to come back to that example, I, I want to I get successful, whatever the form of that. But what's what's really driving that? This is where stop, drop, roll comes in because if I don't even have the freedom to stop and go, hold on a second, I feel in this moment like that's what I want. But is it really what I want? Why do I want it? This is when we start to be brave enough to go, oh, man, I've lost people from my life that don't, that won't, they can couldn't be around me anymore because I would bring that out. And where am I coming from? I want you to be free from automatic knee-jerk reactions. You think you're making choices, but it's really something deeper choosing choosing for you because you didn't have the wherewithal to say, pause, I'm putting into question everything that I think I want. That's badass, guys. And that's the beginning of getting into the zone because you can't get into the zone if you're if you're under the whip, under the crack of the invisible whip. that's unzonish, right? You can, and all you can hope for in that is little breaks. And when you have a zone moment, you're like, wow. And, you know, John Mayer, all props to you, but when you sang the song Clarity and you said, I love, I love that song. But when you sing that you know, this moment of clarity, I'm going to just paraphrase the theme of it, you know, this zone moment. You're having a zone moment of clarity where the rock candy is melted and diamonds remain and 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 then, you know, you're, you're in that bliss space and then you're going to wait to see if it lasts forever. Well, that's passive. And then, of course, you say, and it won't and it won't because it can't and it's not supposed to. Well, that, of course, is the conclusion because that's what we always experience. Zone moments are just Happen, that's not you're not supposed to expect that to last, and that's where I challenge you not because I want to challenge you, but because I want people to realize it is supposed to last, and it's not that it lasts by itself, it lasts by participation and conscious honing and hanging in that space and understanding what the interrupter is. Because if you don't understand what's interrupting the zone, you can't interrupt the interrupter. So, this is this is huge, guys. What I'm saying is that. We are lives. We think we're free to choose, but if you really look at it, we're we don't have an actual real choice because we're we're in, in that FOMO knee jerk. You know, it's a fight or flight state. FOMO is a fight or flight state because missing out is not strong enough. Of you know, if you say missing out, it's way the feeling and the fear is way deeper than the words would suggest or seem to justify because missing out means you are missing out on what? The bliss, in whatever way, shape, or form it takes. You know, oh, I don't wanna miss this concert because everyone else is gonna be going and I don't wanna be the one that didn't get to see you know, this concert and be part of this thing or whatever it might be. So you're gonna do whatever you can to make sure you don't MO, miss out. So that's the fear of missing out. Well, that's the universal thing here and and what that does just in almost in the sheer physics of it is that the more hungry you you are and the more you consume the hungrier you get rolling stones i can't get no satisfaction right and i try and i try and i try and i try i can't get no 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 um that is a confession of the insatiability of of The FOMO life. It only gives you the illusion that if you are to give it everything you got, you will be happy, you know, once you're, you know, sitting on the toilet and raking in the cash because you've made, you know, a famous song and you're getting mailbox money for it, right? And then you're happy and you've made it. So, this is the way this is the way you know those thoughts happen really really quick and we can decide and even commit ourselves to a lifestyle that we don't realize is robbing us from our real bliss with the promise of bliss that never comes. What the So yeah that's where I'm coming from when I challenge you on what you think you want because I think that you might be thrilled to discover that it was here. And it was here all along and you didn't actually need that go between whatever form or shape it's taken. Wouldn't you Wouldn't you like to feel that? Wouldn't you like to be free? But then you have to face there's that part of you that's like, but I don't want to let go of what I want. And that's what I come across so often um, in myself and in others as I challenge it, you know, Uh, one has to admit that there is an addictive quality to the lifestyle of FOMO itself. You become addicted, almost um, dependent on that stress. It's like, you know, you can get addicted to coffee or nicotine or whatever and the stimulants. In a way, the ultimate stimulant is that fight or flight FOMO drive. And it simultaneously is killing us while it's, promising us the world and if you frame the whole of society globally in that light and you realize oh my god it's and you can see the titanic effects you know it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that humanity is going deeper and deeper into to crisis and in so many ways and we're like what's going on and we so badly want to solve the problem and that's a good drive. We don't want to lose that, but we always go to the symptom level. So we start to go to the symptoms of FOMO. We start to go to seeing like, for example, the greed of the, you know, if you want to call it the 1% or whatever, you know, um, the greed of those in power who are, you know, subjugating the lessers to fill their pockets more when they don't actually need it. And just this is a raw greed of some of the more rich people on the the planet just that that raw self-servingness if you can see that that's all part of the disease rather than going you're the problem you're the problem it's the illuminati man you know all that stuff (laughs) fine have at it but where is it getting you right so you may not want to let go of that either you may not want to let go of the bad guy We love the scapegoat. Everybody loves a good scapegoat. So you can say, ah, you're the problem, (laughs) ha ha. Phew. I don't have to face the responsibility of of real choice because real choice is scary. Scary AF. And and that's where the bliss lives. So when we're used to that constricted state, we almost get comfy and cozy in our FOMO lives. And so by the time, you know, i come along or any you know authentic wisdom teaching is going to challenge that at the very ground floor you have to be willing to face that you don't want to relax and you don't want bliss actually bliss is too scary because bliss requires you to look at yourself and in that reversal of the of the restricting asphyxiating effects on your soul in the reversal of that in a way you got to oh you got to feel a lot of <laughs> intense feelings and sensations and we have so many defense mechanisms in place for that and we have so many people to to you know if you're in that mindset of if everyone else is doing it then it's, it must be good if that's your logic which is really weak everyone else is doing it so it must be healthy that's the basic logic and you realize everyone's in the game of cover up everyone you know is hiding what's really going on to a large extent and having to put forth, I've got it all together. I'm good. I'm having da, 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 da and some people can't hold it up that well. And then you get called depressed, even though everyone's depressed, but this one can't hide it or cover it up anymore. Medicate it. Boom. You know, don't get to the real source of the depression is you basically cut off from your life source and, and being you got cut off from your being and you, and you got cozy here and you don't know, people don't know how to navigate back because they don't know what's causing it. So then you might be here, right? And this is, I'm just using these fingers by my head to, to show that you're, you're under that restriction. And this is what's plaguing you. This is the depression, right? So you're, you're under that, but you can't see it because it's so deep. And so now what are you going to do? I don't like feeling this way. How do I get better? So this is when you think, oh, well, this is good. This is a good move. Well, I'm going to go to therapy. You know, I'm going to go to, um, I'm going to start going to yoga. I'm going to, I'm going to, You know this spiritual practice and these self-help books are really making me feel inspired. You know, be here now. That's really inspiring to me because I hadn't really thought about that. I'm going to practice that, and then you can take your your boxed lens into any one of those realms, and what the you know the wisdom marketers are doing is packaging wisdom for that to cater to that so that's what's so gross about it is packaging wisdom which is supposed to free people from this restriction and you're packaging it for that for us to stay in that space with the illusion riding on the on the adrenaline if you will of of I didn't Feel this before, and now I do. I feel. I feel. I wasn't flexible, and I took yoga, and now I'm flexible. Or I wasn't spiritual, and now I've got this idea of of uh, you know spirit and angels and this. And it gives you a buzz. It gives you a lift. It gives. It's exciting. It gives you hope. There's a glimmer of hope in it, and there's a marketing of hope, right? But it's not getting us off the Titanic. You can market the hope of getting off the Titanic, and people will buy it up. And that's what's going on, guys. That's what's happening right now. That's serious. That's a crisis, because these words are getting completely bastardized by people who haven't done their homework. Um, wisdom, yoga, um, you know, liberation, moksha, uh, all these, all these names that are just getting again packaged for. Because what the people are demanding is – and this is the narcissism. This is a great segue into the next one. But we want things to be packaged and to cater to our state of what is really a deep handicap, a normalized handicap of not being able to zone anymore, which means you're not able to bliss anymore, which means you're not happy, which means you are in a kind of hell. I would go so far as to say that that's what hell is, is you are – cut off from joy. You're cut off from life. You're cut off from yourself, you know? And FOMO is just one big invisible institution that's got us all, you know, under its command and it doesn't want us to see it. And I'm here to shine the light on the on the FOMO and the Titanic and to help you see and help you to pull that that lens off. And to, and to go, oh, my God. And to really tap deeper sense and deeper sanity and deeper um, bliss, sustainable bliss. That's sustainability. If we are trying to create sustainability in our technologies and in our world and in our societies in an unsustainable mind space, which means being an unsustainable way of being then it's a losing battle you're not we're, we're, we can only feign the feeling of progress for so long before something there's going to be a chain reaction and downfall to each step forward. There's a step back because we're not getting to the real solution. So sustainability, the end of of the violence, uh, the the proper parenting and nurturing of human beings to not get messed up in the first place, all of it, go, it all comes together. The end of these ideological clashes, all of it. Imagine everybody starting to zoom out enough to see the FOMO condition and to go, oh, my God, I'm. I'm What have we been doing and and that all the finger-pointing wasn't getting us anywhere? Uh, You know, it's so tempting to go You're the bad ones And this video that just came out uh, yesterday that um, Was it it, it was a viral video that was a couple days ago actually the viral video of this young boy standing in a seemingly confrontational and almost mocking way of a Native American guy beating his drum uh, and singing his prayer. And, of course, the way that you saw that video was like, oh, my God, like it just makes your blood boil. You feel like there's this arrogant kid who is just, you know, um, basically desecrating this guy who's just trying to hold the space for – for his prayer and for spirit and for his tradition and all of that, it was a very upsetting moment, right, to see that. And then the next day, another video came out showing a more complete story, and you realized that there was um, these African American Hebrew um, Israelites, I think is the name, and they were they were shouting such profanities that it was it was unbelievable and of course totally justified and then you realize oh my gosh you know and so everyone's pointing their fingers at them and they're pointing the fingers at the other guys and then these guys are trying to uh, you know the guy playing his drums trying to quell the the suffering uh, or the, the, the the possibility of violence and and that's also where the boy said he was coming from too and then yet they were colliding and it seemed like the confrontation and they were it was being experienced as such. And, and you start to go, wait, where's the bad guy here? And it was like, oh, it was the Israelites that started it, right? And that's, again, stopping at the symptomatic level. You stop and you realize, no, look, this is a something that we're all in, even if it's just the ignorance, right? It's the ignorance that breeds such situations. Even if you're a quote-unquote good guy and you're not saying any mean or awful things, You still may be contributing to the extent that you don't know what's going on, right? And so you want to stand up to it in the name of goodness, but you're standing up to it with your your, uh, myopic lens still firmly fixed, and you're trying to do good. But you're exacerbating the situation even more, and this is how things escalate into riots and war and death and murder and, and all of that. Because it's a collision of, idi- of the in- within the ideological space, which is what the Titanic is made of, is it's the kingdom of ideology, no matter what ideology it is. And the ideology in that myopic sense is the splitter. It's the it's what creates the the threat between uh, differing. Ideologies, and that's that leads to the the hate, right? So if you can see the source of hate is in that splitter, that lens that we're all using, even if you're a quote unquote good guy. So this is huge. This means he calls all of us into equal responsibility. Not in the same same sense. It's like there are different variations of of illness. If you frame it in terms of not good versus bad, but just well versus unwell, there are those who are way more unwell and they have to answer to that. And that that has to be met appropriately. It's now we don't want to have one size fits all response to this, but we all need to get woke if we actually want to overcome the violence that we're seeing. To me, that that video is just a preview of what's happening all the time and in different ways, and it's going to happen more and more and more, and it's going to escalate, and we're going to get more and more used to it. And the more used to it we get, the more we're going to start to cross that boundary. Of violence, and then the more that happens, the more we get used to that. That's the danger we're facing. It's a, it's a kind of. If you think of what I'm calling out here, the Titanic FOMO uh, code is a virus, and it's coding us to to have a self-destruct. Right. If you think of the whole of humanity as one being, one body, uh, it's in self-destruct mode because we've got all of the diversity, that's the pluribus, you know e pluribus unum, which means in many one and that's the founding uh, you know overarching spirit of 1776 and uh, which is not just about America but it's about democracy. It's about um, it's about being able to have a space. One nation under God is a language you may not resonate with because of the word God or whatever, but if you if you can again decode it, take away the religious, connotations of it and just see the one nation under one, under one ness, under unum, under reason, under source, and kind of change it and see it in that way, there is a common ground. and that's. But we have to go higher and we have to go deeper to find that common ground and we have to let go of something deep. And people aren't wanting to let go of their ideologies because that's their identity and that's what we know. So we're all under the sway of this and we all have to Human up, in the sense that we all have to be able to be brave and zoom out and face ourselves in that sense. And there's a deep vulnerability in that. There's a deep uncomfortability in that. There's a there detox, withdrawal emotions reactions. Um, you know, we're going to have to go through the shakes and the chills and the fevers and throwing up and the, you know, but, but imagine us doing that in a woke way, in a conscious way, because there is no getting around that part. But we can, I think, I believe we can go into it now in a gracious way, as opposed to having things having to get worse before they get better, which is often, you know, the, the thing I hear out there in the, in the zeitgeist. So it's going to have to get worse before it gets better. Well, maybe. But I would venture to say I'd like to be a voice now in the picture that says, no, it's worse already. (laughs) It's already worse. Let's get better. It's not a matter of it having to get worse because it it could just get worse and worse and worse and worse and and we can take ourselves out. That's a reality. So we have to see that it is already worse, but we have to sensitize to that worseness. And if everyone, the FOMO, Titanic, is, is all in collusion in terms of covering up the real illness, and in the pretending that everything I'm fine, you're fine, everything's fine, and we're all putting on that veneer, that facade. And we, and, and then when someone comes along to say, "Hey, enough of the facading, let's get real." Let's not, let's not string them up. Let's not, you know, kill that person. Let's, or those people. And and we need to, we need to really go. Okay, guys, we're all in this together. How are we going to get out this Titanic together? How can we? How can, things are already worse. <laughs> We're in that moment now. It doesn't have to get worse. So um, that is my my call to you today. The NOMO FOMO principle is, is FOMO is hell. And it is a choice. You don't have to be under the sway of the FOMO life anymore, but you do have to see it and you do have to be willing to let go of all of that deeply, that, that, that addiction really to that life and that can feel like the end in a very scary way but i am here to say that's the that's the beginning that's the beginning of of sustainable bliss life which is what what humans are meant to be in a harmonious woke um i thou uh, dialogical flow just like nature humans have come from nature disconnected from that sacred flow that deeper reason that governs all we've alienated and and removed ourselves from that flow in a kind of almost unconscious and deep-seated power trip over reality that's the beginning of narcissism and we we need to rise now uh you know and not it's not a, this is not about punishing ourselves anymore we have already been punished so much just by being cut off from that bliss, from that natural flow, that deeper Zen state that is not uh, reserved for the select few who are willing to give up all their possessions and, and go to be a monk somewhere. There's nothing wrong with that, but, but I wanna take away this idea of actual genuine uh, enlightenment is, is this word that kind of gives it a sense of this far off woo-woo sounding thing, right? When what I'm saying is not only is it not that, it is our duty to bliss. It is, because if we're not blissing, something's terribly wrong and there's going to be all kinds of uh, fallout from, from that, just even from one person, let alone the whole of humanity. And our kids, man, think about our kids. The kids are just getting, the, they're just coming in and they we're just passing it on to them, you know? So this is serious. If, if it's not enough to just think of the, the the precious being that you are, which it should be, you know, because you are that's still that, That sweet infant child in in the sense of the purity of your heart even if it's covered up with a lot of scars and wounds and and protections and all of that you're still that sweet being and that is good enough reason to to get what I'm saying but if it's not right now think of the kids, think about how they're just getting thrust, those sweet innocent beings are getting thrust into this machine and even with the greatest intentions as parents, we want to do the right thing we might be laboring under the sway of FOMO, which is a deep stress and a deep fear. And in that sense, while trying to be good parents, you can be infusing your children with the same virus. And that is something that if we don't get woke to that, we are, we're on our way out You know, at this point. The self-destruct is gonna be, in a sense, irreversible. So my invitation to you is urgent, and yet it's precisely about opting out of the stress life. Isn't that funny? It's it's extremely urgent and pressing to to take the pressure off. (laughs) It's a deeper kind of pressure, right? It's a good kind of pressure. It's a pressure that that's calling us all to rise to a higher expression, a higher way of being, not just expression, because we don't want to fake, we don't want to fake the human up. We have to it has to be an authentic shedding and letting go and healing if we're gonna really do this. It's no longer about our egos and making ourselves believe we're doing it when we're not actually doing it, all of that. So, no mo FOMO, guys, Woohoo! And let's get, <clears throat> excuse me, <laughs> I just get so emotional. Um, let's get off the Titanic ASAP. Let's see it, you know, to see it is to get off of it in that sense, you know, when we're pretending like it's not there and everything's normal, that's how we keep ourselves in the in the serious crisis space because the crisis isn't all the symptoms we're seeing the crisis is that we don't know what's generating the crisis and all of them and and that's a serious crisis so um this is exciting man this time that we're in so i hope you can be excited about it and help um help this awareness you know hone this awareness uh we, we need We need everyone getting activated, everyone getting woke together um, in order to make this crossing. So and it's all of us, guys. This is all of us. We're all in it together. So let's do it. I'll see you next time when we dive deep into this theme of universal narcissism. So I'll see you then.